Listener Production. Hey there, Ben Sion Siebert with your afternoon edition of The Briefing. Something you might not know about me, but maybe you could have guessed, is that I am a massive nerd. I love elections. And by a pretty wild coincidence, this year is actually going to be the biggest election year in world history. About 40% of the world's population, billions of people, will be going to vote in the polls this year. Now stay with me, this is the important bit. Many of these elections might actually threaten democracy in the countries where they're being held, depending on the results. So whether you're an election nerd like me or just here for the drama, 2024 is going to be a huge year. Sasha Barbagat, the morning host of The Briefing, and I sat down to chat about it. All right, Bensian, let's first understand better the whole scale of this. How many countries Mm -hmm. are going to the polls this year? So around about 50, and this represents about 40% of the world's population, which is kind of an incredible achievement because most democracies are less than 100 years old. This is a pretty new form of government, not looking at kind of the ancient Greeks, but in terms of like the modern democracies. So this is a huge historic year, but it's also a pretty scary year for democracies because democracy is sort of on the ballot in a lot of these elections. Yeah, so I've heard the term thrown around that democracies are a little bit fragile at the moment. Explain that to us. Yeah, so it's a scary moment because a lot of the democracies that are having elections this year have authoritarian, semi-anti-democratic candidates who could be elected. And there's been a whole lot of books written about the fact that democracies can die through like a military coup, but they can also die by people electing anti-democratic candidates, that is. So like in Thailand, there was a military coup in 2014, but in Germany in the 30s, people elected Adolf Hitler and that's how democracy died at that point in Germany. So there's been polls in the UK, the US and France showing that about half the population or more of those countries are worried that democracy is under threat. And also this year, we've also got the threat of artificial intelligence, which means deep fakes, which means more disinformation than we would have had in previous elections. Can you tell us a bit more about which countries we're kind of seeing this potential risk for democracy? Yeah, so the most obvious one is the US, which is a scary thing to say, but Donald Trump has made some really dictatory, uh, authoritarian-esque comments and statements. And of course, there was the whole January 6th insurrection in the United States where the Congress was rushed by this mob of Trump supporters. And he gave this quote which said, I'm not going to be a dictator except on day one because I want to close the border and I want to drill, 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 which is about his oil policies and he's also planning to deport a lot of people. So that's a worry. There's also elections in Europe, Austria, Belgium, 
Croatia, Finland. And the fear is advances by sort of nationalist, populist, anti-migrant, xenophobic parties of the far right, which do pose a threat historically to democratic traditions. And Last year, there was also an election in Slovakia where there was a deepfake audio that was released a couple of days before the election. And this was in the blackout period where the media is not allowed to talk about the election. And they showed one of the party leaders allegedly wanting to put up the price of beer and also wanting to rig the election. Now, there's serious doubts as to whether this audio is actually him speaking, but it just shows how possible it is for fake information to potentially influence a significant election in this time that we're living in. I want to play devil's advocate for a moment. With these Mm -hmm. hardcore right-wing fascist parties that are going up for election and in some cases, as we've seen in the past, have won. Wouldn't you argue that if they're getting the right votes and they're getting enough votes, that's democracy. It doesn't... I understand in the past we've seen parties like the Nazi party who have hardline policies and we see that eventual creep to a dictatorship. Are we Mm -hmm. really at risk of that in this day and age in 2024? Well, in some ways we are because uh, one of the key issues with democracy, which Winston Churchill famously may or may not have said democracy is the worst form of government except for all those other forms that have been tried, is that democratic candidates have to agree to norms. It's not enough for democratic candidates to follow the law and for the court system to work properly and that kind of thing. They also have to treat their opposition as legitimate and they have to not use the power of the state to crush their opposition. And part of the worry in many of these countries is that some of these candidates have spoken of doing just that. And of course, when we talk about Donald Trump, he's spent years saying that the election is rigged and we can't trust all kinds of institutions. And that, we know historically, can be a real threat to democracies. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. What other elections should we be looking out for this year? Okay, well, I'll run you through a quick list. We've just seen the election in Taiwan where William Lai won despite the warnings from China that he was a, quote, war maker and troublemaker. We haven't seen anything big come as a result of that from China yet, but we'll be looking out for it. The next one is in Indonesia in February. There's 270 million people in Indonesia. It is a huge exercise in democracy. There's a candidate there who... um, is a general who was once denied a visa in the US for alleged human rights abuses. In South Africa, there's the first time in the history since Nelson Mandela and the end of apartheid that the African National Congress faces the prospect of losing its majority. In India, another massive democracy, in fact, the biggest democracy in the world, there's the Prime Minister Narendra Modi. He's a Hindu nationalist who's brought India enormous global power and cracked down on corruption, but he's also cracked down on religious minorities and journalists and free speech. And lastly, we've got Russia and Ukraine. Uh, I don't think anyone has any question as to who's going to win the Russian election, (laughs) but (laughs) that one is also coming this year. 
Yeah, that's another one that we're going to be keeping an eye on. Look, Australia's not going to miss out either. We've got a couple of elections happening. Tell us about them. That's right. So there's the state election in Queensland and elections in the ACT and the Northern Territory. Plus, there's also a by-election happening in March, which is an election for the single federal seat of Dunkley in Victoria. And that was because of the death of one of Labor's MPs, Peter Murphy. This is really important for the federal government because it's on a relatively slim majority and next year will be the big federal election. And so we're kind of starting to get into that run-up period. And for the coalition, it's going to be an important test for the Peter Dutton theory of how they might get elected next year. That is, that they can win outer suburb seats, even though they might not be able to get back those teal seats, which are the inner suburb ones that they lost a lot of at the last election. And of course, there will be the by-election in Cook to replace Scott Morrison, who's just announced that he's going to resign from federal politics next month. Mm. It's crazy to think that we are heading to the polls next year in a federal election. I swear I blinked and we've gone from 2022 and Anthony (laughs) Albanese winning. And now we're going again. I know it's next year, but as soon as you start saying something's next year, it feels like it's imminent. Bensian, super interesting chat. Thanks so much for taking us through all the votes happening across the world this year. Thanks so much, Sasha. That's all for your afternoon briefing. Thanks so much for listening. Sasha and the morning team will be back in your feed from 6am tomorrow and I'll be there in the afternoon at 3. And we want to hear from you. Is there a story that you think needs investigating? Do you have feedback on the show? Hit us up on Instagram at The Briefing Podcast. Send us a DM and hit follow. I'm Ben Siebert. Thanks for listening. Listener.